Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. Just stand with me and bless Sherry Silk as she's going to come and share with us this afternoon. Thank you. So fun to be here. I am the soft side of the silks. The softer side of strong. Yeah? And I know it's the afternoon session, but you have to stay awake, laugh at all my jokes. I'm from Bethel Church, so I'm used to, you know, I'm having a yard sale, and you guys go, yeah! That was, that was okay. That was like a C. We're going to have some fun. (laughs) Love it. All right. How many of you are in a relationship with another human? How many of you have the keep your love on book? All right. That's a lot of you. That's good. This is like, we should read the Bible and keep your love on. It's, it really, it is, it, it is our story in a lot of ways, and it's, it's really a practical way to help in every single relationship, whether with your kids or your marriage or your boss or whoever. And Danny wouldn't have anything to write about if it wasn't for me. If you ask Danny where he went to school, he would say, not Chico State, not Sac State, but Sherry University. (laughs) Actually, that's too true. Um, Anyways, who doesn't have this book and they want it? You have to come get it. I can't throw things. I have six brothers, but that means nothing for my aim. Okay, come on, get it right here. Okay, I'm sorry. Danny, Danny will sign it later for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these are the, the, there's three children's books that I helped produce. It really is, each book is about one of my kids and their story. But what we did, when we put the kids' books together, we really made it so that You could read a story about a child going through something and actually learn as a parent how to handle a situation. So it's a really fun story for the kid, and it's a very helpful story for the parents or grandparents. I'm a Mimi. How many Mimis or grandma and grandpas? Come on. So this is called One of These Days, Shorts in the Snow, and the Famous Chicken Coop Kid. These are... Three, you can buy them in a bundle or just one of them. And I want to give these to Joaquin's mom, Paula. Will you? Co- I will get you one. Okay, totally. Here, what's your name? Peyton. Coming up here, Paula. Thanks, buddy. I love your shoes. Be like a child. Now, 
Danny and I, we moved to Sacramento when Jesus Culture transitioned, and we brought our daughter and her husband and three kids came along with us. We decided to stay in one big house. So we all lived together five years later. That's our plan. I don't know. They're going to have to kick me out at this point. Um, we're gone 200 days a year. They think it's their house. And I have really lowered my standard on what clean is. Um, you know, you get older and your kids, gone, you put stuff and then it's still there. When you go back, it's not that way for me anymore. And there's mounds of laundry. Uh, but I get to kiss little heads every single morning. But what I love about that is the generations together serving Jesus, creating a momentum in family that it's not common. But what I love about this house, when I came in and you see Joaquin and Renee and Kess and Jahi, did I say that right? Thank you, Jesus. And Jim and Paula. There's a generational momentum in this house. And how many of you want that in your family? Stand up. Stand, everybody should be standing up, but that's all right. I'm saying it doesn't, maybe you don't have kids yet. You have spiritual children in your future. So Lord, we ask right now for just a, a generational momentum in revival that there will be no missing as you pass the baton from one generation to the next. The things roll and get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger. And Lord, we bring the kingdom everywhere we walk from, from when little babies are trying to speak or walk or talk to the seniors laying there with their hearing aids on. God, I just say, you can have it all. All the generations, and you can have me, Jesus, in it. Amen? Amen. Come on. Okay. Can you light those sides up for me? Do I need to push anything? It's, it's telling me. Is there a split scene? screen so I can see. Do I need to get my technician up here to help me? Because I'd, I am no help whatsoever. Chris is awesome. You know, it's a funny thing during worship. I noticed there's three female vocalists today. I thought, well, we should go on the road, us three and me, you three and me. We, uh, Danny, like I said, Danny and I have traveled 200 days a year for the last couple years. And every single place we go sings King of My Heart. 200 days a year on the road, that's a lot of church, people. That's a lot of church. And my friend Molly Williams, her sister, wrote that song, John Mark McMillan's Wife. And she wrote it in a time in her life when her parents, her parents had been married for 30 plus years and they got a divorce. And it was a really sad, hard time in, in their lives. And that, that there's no shadow you won't light up. 
There's no wall you won't kick down. You're coming after me. See, we find Jesus because we're looking for him. He is, he's not trying to hide from us. He's like, I'm right here. I'm hidden everywhere in plain sight. Like we hide Easter eggs for our grandchildren. Like, it's right there. Where's the egg? Right? It's right there. That's God hiding from us. And I feel like, Danny, our ministry is really building bridges in relationships. And this song, King of My Heart. And I loved that there, there was female singers up here today. Because when you sing about a champion, there's different things, you know, if, that stir up within in you when you're a, a male or a female. There's this thing like, the guys are like, yes, conquer, let's go. And the women are like, I need a champion. It really is all the facets of God. It's okay to have a female side of God. Read your Bible, people. We need a champion. Amen? All right, what am I going to talk about today? Okay. Oh, this is the Life Academy. I see how you can forget stuff when you're up here. That code, Austin2019, is when you get online, it's Loving on Purpose, and you want to go through the Life Academy. It really is the most current teachings of Danny Silk. And there's three categories, really, leadership, uh, family, and relationships. And that code, when you go to checkout, will give you 50% off. So you can buy the cards out there at the table, or you can go online, and that is my commercial. You know, I don't know. I'm going to talk to you about a really common topic, which is love. All we need is love. Do, 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 do. Beatles stole it. And, but I'm really, what I want to do is we talk about the culture of honor and, and keep your love on and all those things. They're very practical, help, you know, conceptual ideas, culture of honor. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you some stories about how you put it in your everyday life with everybody you know. And, you know, Danny and I, we've been married 35 years next month. I love you, baby. He still opens my car door, gets gas in my vehicle. He's my champion. And we went through it at first. We had a hard time for many, many years. You know, between uh, Danny's mom and dad and my mom and dad and stepdad who raised me, he was my stepdad since I was six, there's 15 marriages. 15 marriages. There's, you know, drugs and alcohol and prison and jail and a bunch of chaos. And when I stand up here and say, you need to keep your love on, it comes from a place of experience in my life because somebody, I don't know what your story is, but somebody has to stop and say, okay, not on my watch. 
I, this is what's rolling in to my life. This is, this is, these were my examples. I love them all, but this is what's rolling in to my life. And someone has to say, no matter how hard, I'm going to choose the right thing to do. And that's what you, that's what I'm giving away today. How many of you want some of that? All right, because you're, your testimony really is something you should crawl up on to see your future from. It's not like, oh, I have this really, I had this brokenness and hard things happening and praise Jesus. No, it's the pile I'm standing on to see my future, to see my kids' future, to see my grandchildren's future. Your testimony is a place of amazing Stories from him. He gave you those stories. And every one of them, even though they're hard, they help you be who you are today. They help you make the choices you need to make for the future. Amen? Amen. All that was just free. That wasn't even in my notes. How, I, won't, I cannot confirm or deny that I've ever seen the movie Gladiator. But there's this line in there in the movie what we do in life echoes in eternity. You young people, if you haven't seen it, you can start calling it a classic pretty soon. <laughs> My sons one time said, Jurassic Park, it's like a classic. I was like, I don't, I don't think that's considered a classic. But one day we were in the car, and our son Levi He's, you know, junior high, I think, and he says, Mom, what we do in life echoes in returnity. Like, no, son, we don't believe in returnity. Like, I don't, that's not biblical. We're not coming back here. But the choices that we make really do echo in eternity. And we get to change someone's life by loving them. It's, it's like a weapon in your hand. It's not something simple. It's, it's not some just wait, nice saying or something. It really does change people's lives. How many of you have been to Ikea? Okay, so I love going to Ikea. So you go in there and you're like, wow, they have these, all these rooms, you know, set up. Oh, I love this, this kitchen. No, I love this kitchen better. No, I think I love this one better. Oh, I like that couch. I like this room. I get, they give you this piece of paper, and a pencil with no eraser, which feels like a conspiracy of sorts. So you're writing down, you're writing something down, like, oh, I love that couch, I'm gonna love that countertop, I'm gonna get the, you get down, you're picking all this stuff out, it's so awesome. And then you go down to this gigantic warehouse, and you put it all on your cart, and you have bought the biggest chore in your life. And all they give you is an Allen wrench. And your thumb is bleeding. Your thumb is bleeding by the time you put this bookcase together or whatever. I saved so much money, but I've given blood at the same time. And I love that it has instructions. And the instructions are pictures because it's Scandinavian I, something. I can't read it. So it says, this little piece looks like this. And you insert it here, right? And that's how we change people's lives. You take love and you insert it here. 
There's a perfect fit, a perfect place for it, and you get to put it in. Now, I have been running around with Jesus Culture for, they're, they're good friends and like children to me. The, the, the band is, I know way too much about them. Way too much. I was on a bus with them 100 days a year for three years. And the way Jesus Culture started was they had their very first conference at Bethel. It was a youth conference, and, and they had all these people come, and they were so excited. They decided to, to film it and the whole deal. And Kim Walker Smith, Kim Walker at the time, sang the song by John Mark McMillan called How He Loves, right? And this video now, if you go on YouTube, has been viewed 18 million times. Now, I'm going to show you a clip from back then. They would all be really mad at me if they knew I was showing you this clip. But you, this is, this is from 2007, guys. And there's a certain kind of love that is from heaven that just draws people in. And you're the carrier of that love. So let me show you this video. It's no sound, guys. There's Kim. I don't think it's on my end, but... Oh, so hard to stop it. 18 million times. I remember 
If you're having a bad day, go watch that, go watch that clip. Because you need to be loved if you're having a bad day. And if you sing about how much he loves you, you're going to have a better day. You know, there's just something about worship and, and why we really need to get it right in our churches and, and honor it like you do here. There's something about it that draws you in. But you can watch that video and feel loved still today, all these years later. This is a very familiar scripture. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't have love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to the mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I'm, gonna, I'm going nowhere. I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without it. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, and doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God, always, always looks for the best, never looks back, keeps going forward, love never dies. I love that. You know, Danny and I, as we travel around the planet, we take our American dollar and we go up to this little booth and we exchange it for the currency in whatever country that we're in. And sometimes it's good for us and sometimes it's not so good. It depends on where we're going or where we are. But God's exchange rate is beauty for ashes. Look, I was this busted up 21-year-old girl, abusive home, crazy life, Drugs and alcohol, multiple relationships. This is, this, is my, this is my track I'm on. I'm on the track of the, the early retirement plan. I'm on the track to mess my life up. I'm on the track of all my brothers, all my siblings. I'm on the track of every adult I know. And... You take that and you turn it in at the altar and he gives you beauty for ashes. Now, I hope when I, what I can say about my grandchildren is I want their testimony to be, I've loved Jesus my whole entire life. I've not struggled at all. I got baptized when I was four and I've been preaching since I was six and a half. And I love Jesus all the way into my grave. That's the testimony I want for my grandchildren. That's not very common. But no matter where you are, the choices that you've made, or the choices of the people around you, because you're not a victim, you're powerful. You're only a victim if you stay there. 
God's exchange rate is beauty for ashes. And you should just look at your neighbor and say, my life is a really great story. It's his story, really. So you should look at your other neighbor now and say it with more gusto. With gusto. I've never said that before. I'm in Texas. Gusto. Gusto. Oh, that's Italian? Oh, uh, I'm just trying to keep Austin weird. Gusto. I get it now. All right. I was thinking more like dust. I was just in El Paso, and it was just like dust storms. All right, don't, don't cut down the people because you're having a moment. Don't you hate when preachers do that? I'm having an insecure moment, so let me poke at you. I'll poke at you for a minute. Make me feel better. All right. That was free as well. Not in my notes. Colossians 1, 12 through 30. Always thank the Father who has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God's holy people who live in the light. For he has rescued us. Say that. Rescued us. From the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his son. You have been adopted. We are adopted. Do you guys have questions for God when you get to heaven? I have questions. I have questions like, why did you create black widow spiders, rattlesnakes, questions like stinging ants I mean there's just so many things I have questions about Rahab now when you read about Rahab in Joshua it's all you know Josh and his buddies got to go spy out the land right they come in to town and they go to Rahab's house, the prostitute. So I'm not sure. Question for Jesus. Does she have the very best lemon meringue pie in town? You can laugh. I'm just joking around. And then the king gets word of it. And he looks for them. And he goes to Rahab's house. Why would he think that's a good place to look? I don't know. I have questions. And then she lies to the king, right? She said, I don't know where they are. I don't know who they are. I don't know what you're talking about. She hides them, right? She makes a deal with them, right? And then saves her whole family. And the next time you read about her is in Matthew in the lineage of Christ. I don't know what you think you've done in your life. 
or where you think you're going to end up. But Rahab is a lying prostitute. She's a lying prostitute, and she is in the lineage of Christ himself. Now, her life, what, is a really great story. It's a really great story. Love just fixes things. Love makes us do things that we didn't expect to do. You know, I was, during worship today, I remembered a story about my brother, Ted. I haven't thought about this story in years. And I knew it was from, from heaven, but my brother, Ted, was a drug addict, in and out of jail, no teeth from drug abuse. He's always been the sweetest guy, all of that. He's my, he really is my hero. And... I love him. His, his life's all different now. But when he was in the thick of it, he was just was wild. Just, he could write a book, Ted's Wild Adventures. But after he got saved, and there's just, when you've, when you've been into some dark places, you're not afraid to go back into the dark. And Ted was just not afraid. He's just not afraid of some dark place or some, some, some scary moment or some embarrassing thing a human might go through, you know. And one day, I'm the preacher's wife. I'm, I'm the pastor's wife. And, 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 you know, ministry and outreach and all these things are normal for me. And Ted calls me one morning and goes, hey, come with me. And he takes his son, who's about, Dustin was probably six or eight months old. And Dustin was born in a prison hospital in Los Angeles. His mother was an addict, got put into jail, and went on to prison, and we flew down and got Dustin when he was three days old, and he lived at our house with Ted. So Dustin's very cute, six, seven months old. Ted says, come on. So we jump in the car. I'm like, where are we going? He goes, we're going to the convalescent hospital. We're going to go visit old people with my son. I'm like, okay, let's do it, you know. And so there's, we walk in, and Dust, Dustin's a baby, so he's cute, and Ted knew that his, his just presence would bring happiness. So we, we go into these different rooms, and Ted would just plop the baby on top of somebody's lap, laying in their bed, you know. Um, as bold as I am, I was still like, okay, yeah, I'm here, good, love you, yes, let me pray for you. I'm like, Ted. You know, what are you doing? So we go into this one room. And there was a woman laying on the bed, and she couldn't speak. She was obviously had had a stroke. She's older, and she's laying there. And Ted put Dustin down on her bed right next to her. And she was shaking slightly, and she was happy. You could tell she was happy. And she reached out because her hands were shaking. When she reached for Dustin, she scratched his face. And he started crying instantly. And my reaction was, oh, I don't want her to feel bad. So I'll take the baby and I'll go outside. And Ted was just like, wait a second. And he takes her hand, is shaking, and he puts it on Dustin's face and strokes Dustin's face with her hand. And she cried. She could not speak. We have these 
opportunities to reach into somebody else's life and insert love. If we just, like, like me, if, instead of being like, oh, no, I don't want her to feel bad. No, let's push into your moment, past the awkwardness, and love you right where you're at, with who you are, with your frailties, all of that, and let you feel the love of God, let you comfort a child, that feeling. Now, when, when our daughter, Brittany, who's 34, almost, she was born one week after our first anniversary. I mean, I was looking really good on year one, right? Very, very pregnant. And she was out with the youth group. She's probably 16 at this time of the story. And she came home, parked her car. Danny was in the kitchen. He was making a ham and cheese sandwich just sitting there. And she kind of bopped on through the kitchen. And she said, you know what, Daddy? You're the first man I ever fell in love with. And she kept on going. And Danny's choking on his sandwich. <laughs> You're the first man I ever fell in love with. She had met this young man named Ben, and she, was, she got married at 18. He's a good, good man, Ben Serple. But the reason why this story was so amazing, that she would say that, hey, Daddy, we had this moment, is because just a few months before that, I'm not sure what happened, but one day, Brittany tipped over too far, and her brain fell out. <laughs> Anybody have teenagers in the house? Come on, hey, right? So she, we had moved to Reading. We were the brand new family life pastors of Bethel Church. You could say, ooh, yeah, the pressure. And so one day, Danny, we had one car that Danny and I shared, and Brittany had a car, and she took off. She said, I'm going to go visit Michael, her friend. Like, all right. So I have no reason to doubt this child. She's never done anything crazy in her life. She's got some sass. She was born with some sass. I'm not sure where she gets it. But <laughs> she, she was a good girl. And so Danny was out of cell phone range. He was, you know, up in Weaverville. We were in Redding. It's an hour away, big mountain range, no cell phone. And she left about 9 or 10 in the morning. And about 1 or 2, I thought, well, I haven't heard from her at all. And I'm going to check in. So I'm calling her. It was, before, it was flip phones back then, right? I'm calling her, calling her. No answer. So a teenager that doesn't answer the phone, not common. So I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on. So I call over to Michael's house, their family's very good friends, and I said, hey, Yvonne, uh, Brittany said she's heading over there, and I haven't heard from her. I'm just wondering if you could get her for me or have her answer the phone. She goes, you know, it's funny. My, she was supposed to be here this morning, but she's never showed up. Now, this thing in a mama's chest, you know, it's like, oh, gosh, Jesus, no. 
I'm not, that's isn't, I don't know what's going on. So I try and call, just, I'll just give you a good parent tip right now. Get all your friend, all your, all your kids' friends' phone numbers right now. Just get them, make, put them on a list. Just, you got to have them. And so I didn't have them. I didn't know where to call. We're new to town. We'd only lived there like a, a month or something. I don't know who to call. So I'm trying to figure it out. And then I realized, oh, yeah, she had spent some time with her cousin a, a few weeks prior. I bet he knows what's going on. If she's doing something like not, that she's not supposed to, she's told her cousin. So I called Jake on the phone. I'm like, hey, Jacob, you know, I... I I know, just very, very sweetly, from this, this, the sweetest part of my heart, I said, Jacob, I know you know where Brittany is, and if you don't tell me, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> In Jesus' name, I love you so much. <laughs> Insert love here. <laughs> So Jacob blurts out, she met some guy on the internet and she went to meet him in the park today. I was like, oh gosh, I was hoping you would tell me she went to an R-rated movie. No, much worse. So now I am, I am flipping out. It has been hours and hours. By now, it's like... Four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know where she is. I don't know what to do. I, I can't call Danny. I, I'm, I'm crying. I'm trying to figure it out. My boys are little back then, so they, they literally sit on the ground like Lou Engle. They just turn into Lou Engle. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus, help mom. Help mom. I was in a black hole. Apparent black hole. And there was nobody there to stop me. So I'm just like falling in space. Oh. I call Chris and Kathy Valentin. I'm like, you guys, I can't find Brittany. This is what Jacob told me. Oh. Chris goes, okay, what's she driving? What's her license plate number? I'm like, I don't know these things. It's a white car. So Kathy... We get off the phone. Chris looks at Kathy and says, oh, honey, this is really bad. And in the meantime, Danny pulls up. And the boys run out, and they're just like, Dad, Mom's, mom's losing it. We can't find Brittany. And he, he come, it's like a war zone. He just comes in like, Brittany's missing and for hours, and she's with. See, I didn't think, oh, she met some teenage boy. She's at the park. No, I'm thinking some crazy man on the internet. I mean, I'm, I've lost my mind. Not a good place to make decisions from. But I, you're just like losing it. So Danny collects the information, gets on the phone, calls the Reading Police Department, and he's doing things like this. She has brown hair, brown eyes, five foot four. She's driving a white Honda Accord. I mean, the call you never want to make as a parent, Danny's on the phone. All of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's, it's Brittany's number, and I go, hello? And it's Kathy Valentin. They got together, prayed, and drove right to her. Right to her. 
I mean, she had been missing for eight hours. She had been, at that point, all over the place and was right back. There's hundreds of parks, hundreds of parks in Reading. And she's standing there with this 18-year-old kid. Chris walked over. I'm not sure what he said to the young man. It's kind of like Jesus riding in the sand. We don't really know what was written. The young man gets back in his car and drives away. Kathy says, we found her. I said, could you bring her home? Because I'm not sure what she's going to do. Like, can you put her in your car? <laughs> bring her home. She comes in, and she's mad at us. Like, what? Right? I had to go in the garage and get some duct tape for my mouth. At that point, I was dripping with adrenaline. You know, I had been in a war for hours. And I'm just like spinning. And we sit down, and she's like, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I'm a Christian because you're a Christian. All my friends are Christians because that's all I know. That book, the Bible, is just a bunch of stories to me. So I thought I was already having a bad day, but now... We're both falling, Daddy and I, through, the, through space. And I, we're just sitting there like, what, what is happening? All of a sudden, Danny kind of crawls out of his chair. We're in the living room. He crawls across the room, sits down at Brittany's feet, He says, honey, all I care about is that your mom and you and your brothers, we all make it across the finish line. If something I do for a living causes you to have pressure and stress, I'll quit my job tomorrow. I don't have to be a pastor. I, don't, I could get any job. Now, this is not what this girl was expecting. She was expecting what the duct tape was holding back. <laughs> Danny reached across the room, inserted love in her spot she needed love, now, she didn't turn around right away. It took her a few months, which I know is a really short time. And in this season that we were in, you know, the very next day was church. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Because when you're the family life pastor and your daughter's brains fell out and there's craziness at your house, the place you want to be is in church helping other peoples with their family. Come on. And uh, we were there. I'm telling the truth, yeah. Danny, in the middle of worship, got up, went home. She was at home. Her hair in a towel and 
pouting, watching some Make You Cry Girl movie on the couch. And he just picked up her legs and put them across his legs, and he just sat there with his daughter. The next day was school of ministry. So I'm on the staff. I go to, go to school. My friend Heidi, I don't know if you know her. Her name's Heidi Rolls, but she was born on the 4th of July, which just is perfect for her. She is a sparkler. She is a firework. And so I'm telling Mark Brooks, my coworkers, Mark and Heidi, like, okay, this is what happened over the weekend. I don't know what to do. I feel like a complete failure. You just feel like I, I did something wrong. I took a wrong turn. Things are messed up. I don't know what to do. And Heidi and Mark listened to me. And Heidi said, you know, I was thinking about hiring someone to pick my boys up. She had four boys. Pick them up from school take them home, get them started on their homework, and start dinner for me. Do you think Brittany would want that job? Did you hear what I just told you? Like, you want my daughter to put your children in the car with her and take them home? She goes, yeah, yeah, I heard you. That I was just wondering if you think she'd like that job. We don't always have grace for our own situations and know what to do, but if we let people in. Because not only did Brittany need love, I needed love. And I watched Heidi just reach across the room, hit me with God's love in my spot, in the hole that I needed it in, and it fit perfect. A few months later, we're at Bethel and we're worshiping, Brittany had started coming to church. She hadn't really, she said, I'm sorry, but she hadn't really changed her life. And all of a sudden, because the Holy Spirit comes when we worship him, he's with us all the time. And when there's a bunch of people worshiping Jesus, something's happening in the spirit that we can't see. She starts crying. She runs out to the prayer house at Bethel. She comes back in. She's in the back of the room. She's crying, snot, mascara. The whole bed is happening. Danny and I go back there, and she repents. She received love in the spot she needed it, and the Lord got to work on her because she wasn't distracted with our punishments our restrictions, our painful things that we want to hand out when we're scared. She, she's never looked back. The girl's just on fire for Jesus ever since then, and Heidi was a big part about that. Now, is it okay with you if I tell you a story about Danny Silk? Because I I've been a preacher's wife for a really long time, and I sit there and hear all kinds of stories. But today, I got the mic. Are you scared, honey? My slides aren't working. Oh. Did I go backwards? You know this guy? Yeah. So we moved to, to, to Reading, and we'd been pastoring for five or so years, and, and 
Weaverville, and here we are in the big leagues. You know, here we are, family life pastors are, we're, we're in the game, right? So excited to be there. And Bill is go, going out of town, so he says, hey, Danny, do you want to preach this Sunday night? And Danny's like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, first time up to bat, Bethel Church, big shoes to fill. Praise Jesus, there was no Bethel TV back then. Because now, it's really weird. You know, now you're, you're on the front row and the camera is that going on at Bethel, you know. And, and if Danny's preaching and he, he says something funny, the camera goes, does Sherry think Danny's funny? <laughs> He is funny, actually. Probably saved our marriage in the early years, but. <laughs> Elbow the kids. Hey, don't look at your phone. Look at dad. Ha! Dad is awesome. And uh, I've had people text me during Bethel's services and say, I like your shoes from other countries. They're texting me from another country. I'm like, this is weird. Stop it. That's weird. So there was no Bethel TV. And so, you know, Danny got up there. He started talking. And, you know, it was one of those, in, in, in hindsight, wives, have you ever had your husband leave for work and you see him later in the day and he's wearing something? You're like, wow, okay, wouldn't have put that outfit together like that. Stripes and plaid and... It was one of those moments for me. Danny never, ever, ever has to run his sermons by me first, never, or anyone else. That's not our culture. But that day would have been wisdom. So he announces, I'm going to show you a movie clip, which Danny loves to, to preach with visuals. This is great. Well, some lady in the back row says, we don't watch movies at our house. And she runs out. We're like, okay. Um, then she comes back in, and she runs down the middle aisle. And Chris is on the front row. And Chris is on his computer. She's like, da 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 And Chris, who I don't really think he could type back then, he's just like, whoa, okay. It was like she was upset. He hadn't even shown the movie yet. Then he shows the first clip, and it only had a few cuss words in it. Just a few. Most of them were, are in the Bible. But when you put them in that context, not good, not good. So I am like on the front row going, what is happening? Brittany, our daughter's rubbing my back going, it's okay, Mom. I'm just like, this is before menopause. I'm sweating, like, right not having a hot flash. It's like, what's happening? He shows another movie clip, and he just, the movie kept going back to a scene, and he wasn't focused on that. He was focused on this scene, so he didn't catch the, you know, it was bad. So we get through it. It was a great preach. I'm not sure he's preached it again. Maybe he's tweaked it a little bit, took the clips out, edited. Um, so the next week, Go in the office. Chris says, you were the topic of board, the board meeting last night. And Danny's like, I'm sure I was, you know. 
And uh, the week progresses, Thursday, we have staff meeting, Bill's back in town. And Bill sees Danny and he said, hey, Danny, do you want to preach on Sunday night? Danny goes, well, did you hear about last Sunday night? Bill says, yes, I did. And do you want to preach on Sunday night? Danny gets up there. Before he preaches, he says, hey, last Sunday I showed a couple of movie clips. There were some rough spots in there. I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? This little voice in the back of the room said, we love you, Pastor Danny. Culture of honor is not just something you talk about. It has feet. It has arms. It has breath. Love. I watched Bill reach across and insert love. What, where would this man be that we love to hear him preach and read his books? Where would he be if Bill said, you know what, buddy? I heard about your sermon. You just need to sit down. You need to just take some time and learn from the big dogs. You need to just pay attention. You, you messed up an opportunity. You took an opportunity that we gave you and you messed it up. And I need you to just sit down. See, love is no little thing. This thing we hold, that we carry, that we get to give away. It's powerful. It's what drove Christ out in and out of the grave. It has that much power. This is my last story. You good with my stories? So our son Taylor was in, I think he was a freshman in high school, and Taylor is super fun and funny, and I remember asking him one time what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he said, I want to be Brad Pitt. <laughs> but right now I'm working at Burrito Bandito. But it's going to work out for me someday. Now he's making short films. So there you go. So he's in junior high, and he has this young gal that he likes, and he sees her at school. They're boyfriend and girlfriend, which in junior high really means I see you at school. And if I see I have classes with you or, you know, it's great. She's a really sweet girl. And so back then we had a phone that had a cord on the, you know, you hung it on the wall. Remember those days? And we had an answering machine, and we were really high-tech because we had caller ID. Come on. And so the phone rings, and he recognized it to be his girlfriend's phone number. So he grabs the phone. He's like, hello. Now, of course, Danny's out of town because this is what happens when Danny's out of town. Like, things break, dishwashers, plumbing goes wrong. You know, that's when you know who's really your friend. And so Danny's out of town. He says, hello, and then you hear him go, oh, hi, no, oh, my dad's not home, my mom's here, yes, 
here you go. So he brings me the phone, and he's like, it's Carissa's dad. And I'm like, oh, okay. Hello? Hi, this is Carissa's dad. I'm like, hello? He goes, I was really hoping to talk to Mr. Silk tonight. And I said, I was really hoping for you to talk to Mr. Silk tonight, too. <laughs> he said, are you aware that your son and my daughter have been talking on the phone for 30 minutes a night? Now, I got a little snarky. I said, I've never timed them, was my answer. <laughs> True life, right? Taylor is writhing on the floor like a snake going, I'll never call her again. I hate her guts. I'm never going to use a phone for the rest of my life. I was just like, okay, no wonder you want to move to Hollywood. She's just got some real drama going on right now. So I said, uh, he goes, well, I'm just wondering, are you aware that they're talking? I said, well, I, I am aware that they, they were talking on the phone. He goes, well, are you okay with that? I said, okay. Um, I got two choices, right? And this is what it comes down to. We're in a situation with somebody, and we got two choices. Love or let fear rule the day, right? I've done it wrong so many times. I tell you, I'm telling you my personality, right? I've done it wrong. But I have the microphone, so I'm going to tell you a story that I actually did something right. <laughs> it's the preacher's privilege, really. So in that moment, I said, has my son been disrespectful to you? He goes, well, no. I said, because my son, even though he's acting really strange on the floor over here, my son is a very respectful young man. So if he's done something to be disrespectful to you or your family, please let me know, and I will have him clean up that mess. He goes, well, no. He goes, well, my oldest daughter got pregnant in the back seat of the car when she was a senior in high school. So when I see my youngest child in a relationship I'm afraid. I'm like, oh, okay. I said, well, that can be really scary, and we have to live out those things. I get that, and I really appreciate you calling me today. He said, thank you for talking to me, and that was the end of it. That was the end of it. See, you get to insert love, and you have seconds to make the decision about what you're going to do. It's the Starbucks lady that gets your order right. I mean, I don't know how they get it right anyway. It's like, I want a half-calf with a grande backflip with a twist. And a, they're like, it's like a book on the side of your cup. And they get it wrong. We're like, hey, this is not as hot as I wanted it. Oh, I forgot to write extra hot. We have seconds to make these decisions. And we are never sorry that we made the right one. No matter what it cost us. No matter what it costs us. Aren't you guys glad that Peter is in the Bible? 
I just feel a little bit better about myself whenever I read about Peter. I mean, these are the things he's famous for, among other things. He's the fisher of men. He's upon this rock. Christ says, oh, you're going to betray me with gusto. 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 He has guard duty. That's enough from the front row. He has guard duty, and he falls asleep. Now, he had one job to do, right? I've traveled with the band a lot, and I remember one time our bass player walks into the airport. We're headed for a trip. He walks in the airport and says, I forgot my bass. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you have one job. One job. Like, I've got to get 21 people across six borders, changing planes and airplanes and buses and currency and insurance, and you have one job. You get to play video games and sleep in on the bus and play the bass. You forgot your bass. <laughs> Peter had one job. He falls asleep. He cuts some guy's ear off, you know. He denies Christ. And then when Jesus comes up out of the grave, he says, where is Peter? Where is Peter? the one I love, the one that made the wrong choice, the one that denied me, the one that's just so passionate about everything. He's a mess right now because he knows he hurt me. And Jesus says, where is Peter? Now listen, where would Peter be? I love this scripture in Acts. But Peter... Taking his stand with the 11. I've blown it. I fell asleep. I denied Christ. I cut someone's ear off. I'm a mess. I, I cowered to a little girl, but I'm going to take my place with the others because Jesus came looking for me. He came looking for me, and he found me, and he loved me in the spot that I needed love, and now here I am. This is the famous Peter speech, really, in the middle of Acts. He raised his voice and he declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is a prophecy fulfilled, and it shall be in the last days that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. There's people in this room that you needed love, and someone didn't insert it. There's people that you're thinking of that needed love, and you didn't give it. 
But because of the work on the cross, because Christ did what he said he was going to do, because he is the, so in love with you and he inserted love in your life, you get to stand up with no shame, no guilt, no past that dic that's dictating your future. You, life gives you lemons. You make pomegranate juice. You do not have to play out what was handed to you. You get to change the end of your story. You get to change the end of your children's story. You get to help somebody feel love when they need it the most. I watched The Lion King with my granddaughter one time, Delaney, and we watched the part where, now if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry, but it's been out a long time. You should have watched it by now. I'm going to spoil it for you. Simba gets tricked, and Mufasa goes in to rescue him, and the, the hyenas are tricking Simba, and he ends up in this big cavern, and the wildebeests are stampeding, and Mufasa gets killed. The dad gets killed, because it's a Disney movie, and some parent has to die in every Disney. <laughs> and I'm, I'm talking to Delaney, and I said, honey, well, what did you think about that movie? Did you like it? She goes, yeah, it was really good, but I didn't like that one part where the dad died. I said, oh, yeah, I didn't like that part either. She goes, you know, if I was there, I would have stood in the chasm in the canyon and I would have said, stop in the name of Jesus. I'm like, she's going to change the end of the story. That's the generation coming up behind you. They have a different idea about authority. They know who their champion is. They know what he did for them. They're going to stand there. You're raising them up, this prophetic culture and this presence-driven culture that we have. They, they're going to do things that we can't even imagine. But with that great power, you have the option to change the end of your story. Why don't you stand up and let me pray for you. Put your hands out in front of you. The worship team can come. That would be wonderful. And if there's a prayer team, you're welcome to come up and join me. You know, we have this tendency to think of all the things that we did wrong. That's, I don't know why it's a pit. It's just that it's from the devil. It's from the devil. He wants to remind us of everything we did wrong, even though Jesus is saying, I already paid that debt. I paid that debt. You have no shame. You can stand with everyone else knowing that he's covered all your sins, all your mistakes. I just want you to close your eyes, and I, I want you to think, forgive yourself first. Like, Jesus, please help me. And I forgive myself for the mistakes that I've made, the people that I've hurt, the, the situations that I was in that I didn't do it right. 
I didn't say the right thing. I might have made a mess. But you guess what? Tomorrow's a new day. You get to clean up any messes that come to mind. We're not responsible for the other side of the relationship. We're responsible for us. And how we respond to the Holy Spirit tugging at our heart. So today, we just ask forgiveness for myself and my mistakes. And Lord, I pray right now for those that are here that they've been hurt. They needed love and they didn't get it when they needed it. It's a new day for you as well. And I pray, just like that testimony last night, that the scars of that situation would actually be erased from your heart. That the scar that you might have, that someone hurt you, that that scar is actually not just doesn't hurt anymore. You just don't think about it anymore. The scar is gone. We just pray for the scars to be gone right now in Jesus' name. I pray for, I pray for fresh fire on your life. I pray for a renewed sense of purpose in your life. Like, oh my gosh, I don't have to have some amazing ministry. I don't have to start a nonprofit. No, I just have to love the Starbucks lady. I'm just going to start with the person that's right in front of me. The one I wake up next to. Sometimes they hurt you the most. They're the most present. You have the most situations going on with, with a mar within a marriage. Heal those wounds, God. Our children, our children scare us, and we do weird things. We're not ourselves when we're scared. But, God, I just pray that you give us the courage to go to our children and say, I messed up right there. I was, I'm trying to be a good parent because there is no parents trying to mess up their kids. I pray for that, that daddy wound, that spot where you needed some love and maybe you got punishment. That, would just, that wound would just close up and heal. And you have the courage to stand and know and be assured of the identity that you have in Christ. That you can stand as part of the army of God and do his good work on the earth. Bringing heaven. Do you trust the Lord? Do you trust him? There's not any situation that he can't come in. He's such a good God, so trustworthy. There's nothing he hasn't worked out. He's conquered all battles for you, past, present, future. He's trustworthy. And we pray right now for a trust in him that we've never known before. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.